Well, it is so good to be together with you on this New Year's Day, and for everyone online that we get to join you wherever you are, we're so grateful to be together with you. As Kayla mentioned earlier, for those of you that are new with us, um, we are so grateful that you're here, and if you are here, uh, we have a gift for you, and you're new with us, so we'd love to give that to you after the service. Miss Alicia's back there. Kayla mentioned that, and she'd love to give you that uh, after the service, that gift. If you're online, we have a gift for you as well. They're posted in Connect card, and they'd, uh, we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's new with us in the room and everyone online know how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. New Year's. It's a fun time for some. For others, it's a, it's not so fun. It's just kind of just, we, we deal with it. Um, we're starting a new series today, and I'm so glad that you're here for this. Um, as we get started, I just, I like to ask these questions to open up our mind, especially after a song like this, that we sing and, and we can come to our God. Um, I want to ask you this. You ever feel incomplete, unfulfilled, something's missing? Um, and, and as Christ followers, this is really important. Uh, do you feel like all that you do, um, you, you still feel less human? <laughs> you feel less whole? Even all those things that you do for Christ, even. Um, you feel like there's more. And the more you try, or the, the, the more that you try to do, the reality is, is you're still left unfulfilled, unsatisfied. You feel like, have you ever felt like the more you try to do for God, to be more spiritual, the actual more burdened you become, or the more stressed out you become in life? Or do you feel like that the more that you give to others, like you, you, your family demands, your marriage demands, your, your, your relationships with your friends demand, and everybody just demands, and at the end of all this demand, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, but you just feel dried up on the inside. Ever just feel like that? Every mom in the room is like, yeah. <laughs> then you come to a gathering, and let's just be honest, man, we come to church and we hope that we get something out of church. We come to a gathering like this with other followers of Jesus, and we come to sing songs and worship God together, and we come to read scripture together. But when we come, we feel like we have to put on a mask. And we put on a mask to cover up what's on the inside of what's going on. Because what's on the inside isn't what, what we want to be seen on the outside. You think, uh, you think you're doing everything right, but the reality is you're stressed out. Anxiety is at a record high. Uh, your relationships with your family are on edge. You don't want anybody else to see this. You don't want anybody else to see that, that your marriage is actually on the rocks and the discussions. If they only knew the types of things that you guys were talking about before you even got to church, you can't say your marriage is strong, and so we put on a mask. We, we, we don't have any self-worth anymore, so we put on a mask. We walk in to a gathering, whether it's this or even a group of people that call themselves Christ followers, and we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe in our own abilities, so we put on a mask, and we don't want anyone to know about it. 
We don't want anyone to know our fears. We don't want anybody to know our doubts, our questions. We're too worried to voice those because we're so insecure about what other people think about us. And we want to appear spiritually mature. But inside, we really want this deeply transformed life. But the reality is, is the way we're going about this Christian walk is not producing that deeply transformed life. See, we want that, don't we? We want that deeply transformed life where, our, where we have this input that fills us and sustains us. And, it, and, and when, when this deeply transformed life fills us and sustains us, when people demand from you, it doesn't defeat you or empty you. But there's a greater source where you're comfortable having unanswered questions, where you, your self-worth comes from something that's greater, where your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others is as strong as your relationship with God. That's what we want. But the reality is that that's not what we have. See, let me ask you this question. Have you experienced a deeply transformed life? Or are you wearing a mask to cover up a mess? on the inside. We need to wrestle with this question. We need to wrestle with this question. And, and I'll, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. We like to cover up our messes. I will not be the first to deny that if you called and said you're coming over our house, the first thing that I may do is, is go close our laundry room door and maybe the bedroom doors. Because we don't like people to see our message. We're going to pick up the couch cushions that the kids have been playing because the floor is lava right? I mean, we, we like to cover up our message. In the same way, we do this spiritually. We put on the spiritual mask to cover up this internal mess, and we continue to convince ourselves. <laughs> and what do we convince ourselves? Oh, we're spiritually mature. We're spiritually mature. And, and, and we do this as we look at others who are also wearing a mask, and we convince ourselves <laughs> that they're spiritually mature too. And for many people... This is what their version of Christianity, this is what their version of faith, maybe this is what your version of faith has left you with. And the reality is it's just a false sense of being spiritually mature. Now I recognize this isn't all of us, but this might be some of us. An external veneer that we put on uh, that masks our spirituality. And we mask our spirituality with attend, attending events. So we, we mask our spirituality by coming and gathering. We mask our spirituality or, or what's deep inside of us. We mask it with giving and serving. And, and all these are just cover-ups for what's an internal mess of what is deep inside and really going inside of us. And our measure of maturity has become... Our church attendance, our measure of maturity has become the biblical knowledge that we know, and, and, but we haven't personally experienced a deeply transformed life. And to be honest, many of us think we're spiritually mature, but we've not even led someone else to know Christ as Savior and follow him as Lord. We fill our schedules with serving those we don't know. Yet those we do know and those that are closest to us, they experience our anger. They experience the true us. And we put a mask on everybody else. 
It's like wearing a mask. It's like putting a veneer over a rotten piece of wood that's inside of us. And then we burn out. And we burn out because our version of Christianity didn't lead us to the life that we so desperately need. Well, this version of Christianity is not what Jesus shows us. That version of Christianity isn't the life that Jesus leads us into. That version of Christianity isn't the life that Jesus commanded us to pursue when he said, come follow me. And if you're here and that's been your version of Christianity, I got hope for you and I got good news for you. There is a new way of following Jesus that will lead to the deeply transformed life because being a disciple of Jesus leads to a deeply transformed life. And maybe you're like many of the Christians who have, been, who have misunderstood discipleship. You've misunderstood and you've equated discipleship with acquiring knowledge, but a, discipleship is not that. This misunderstanding is that you're knowing things is the goal. See, discipleship is not about knowing things. Discipleship is not just about knowing. Discipleship is about a journey with God that transforms you. See, discipleship is more than obtaining knowledge. The goal of discipleship is experiencing a deeply transformed life. And that transformed life comes only by being with Christ. And only by being with Christ can we experience this transformed life. This is the life of wholeness. This is the, the true humanity you were created to experience. This is what God wants you to have. See, a shallow faith is a result of the wrong version of Christianity. It's a fake discipleship. And this is the kind of discipleship that looks good on the outside, that everybody appears good to everyone. But inside, there's no deep transformation in your heart and in your soul. See, a deep faith is the result of true discipleship. A deep transformation is the result of true discipleship. It's a transformation on the inside that results to God moving through us into other people's lives. And that transformed life only comes as we apply the truth of what we've learned. See, the difference between a shallow faith and a deep faith is seen when crisis hits. Deep faith has deep roots, and the transformation because the transformation is deep in us. But a shallow faith has shallow roots. And, and, and it's a surface facade. And when that wind blows, it just blows away our mask. And it just reveals the mess on the inside. See, this is why we're starting this series. This is why today we begin a, a series that we're calling Becoming Emotionally Healthy. We want you to experience, I want you to experience a true deep transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit's work inside you as you follow Jesus. This is the journey we're on as a church about building an unshakable faith, an unshakable faith that no matter what happens to you in life, you will not be shaken. I think that's what all of us want. And, and we want this so bad, and this is one goal that we want you to become emotionally healthy. That's why we're calling this series Becoming Emotionally Healthy. Because, and you're going to become emotionally healthy as you become spiritually mature. And here's our serious big idea that we're going to look at for the, throughout this, this journey. This is it. Spiritual maturity is having a healthy relationship with God, myself, and others. This is what spiritual maturity is. If you have any other definition of spiritual maturity and, and your, your, way, your, your definition of spiritual maturity is about acquiring knowledge, I want you to scrap that because it's more than that. It's about having a healthy relationship with God. 
It's knowing who you are and having a healthy relationship with yourself. And it's out of loving yourself that you're going to have an incredible relationship with others. See, spiritual maturity is this lifelong journey of God transforming us for one goal and one end in mind, that you look more like Jesus. This is the end goal of discipleship, that you look more like Jesus. But it's not a mask that you wear. It's from the inside out. It's a journey to become more whole and more human and become more like Jesus, allowing him to transform us from the inside out. And this is not a microwave thing. This is a one step at a time, one day at a time journey. And we become more whole and we become more human as we're loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus. This is why I love our mission as a church family. It is the definition of what a disciple is. We become more whole and we become more emotionally healthy and more spiritually mature as we are following Jesus on this mission together. Now, this series is inspired by the book by Dr. Pete Scazzaro entitled Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And its subtitle is Moving from a Shallow Christianity to Deep deep Transformation. And I've read a lot of Dr. Scazzaro's books, and this one is honestly the best one he's written. And it's kind of like the culmination. It was so good that when I read it last year, I was like, this was transforming in my life. We got to talk about this as a church. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is we're going to be talking about these marks of what it means to be emotionally healthy and have emotionally healthy discipleship. And this, in this, this is what we want for you to experience. We want you to experience it. And, and I want you to know we do have a limited supply of books available. If you'd like to get your hands on this book so you can take the study further with yourself or if you're in a group or you want to do this with your spouse or some friends or close network, um, we have them available in the back and, uh, and, and they can get you in uh, connection with those. You also get this at your local Christian bookstore or on Amazon.com. But in the book... Dr. Scazzaro writes this. He says, we cannot become spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. See, you can't be spiritually mature and remain emotionally unhealthy. Your emotional health is measured by your ability to manage yourself. Your emotional health is, is, is measured, and this is my definition of what emotional health is, okay? It's your ability to manage what you think feel, say, and do regardless of what happens to you. I know I have to make everything a rhyme. It's weird. Helps me remember it. See, there are many people who think they are spiritually mature. However, they have unhealthy relationships. In fact, the closest relationships to them are the most unhealthy relationships to them. That's not the deeply transformed life that God's called us into. People think they're spiritually mature. However, they haven't addressed their internal anger. They have bitterness deep inside them, or, or some are full of anxiety. Now, there are some medical reasons to have anxiety, but, but there are other things that we need to, we need to recognize that, that it's unhealthy to have this. Some consider themselves spiritually mature, but yet they avoid conflict, and they're not willing to confront others. And they call it maturity, but it's not. Some call themselves spiritually mature, but they hide their failures. They hide their weaknesses. They hide their doubts and they hide their questions. See, spiritual maturity, they, some people consider themselves spiritually mature, but they're, they're defensive all the time. They're, they're insecure. They're different people when they're around their family than when they are when they're with a group of people. It's like they put on a mask and their family sees it. They're emotionally immature but put on this mask that makes them look like they're spiritually mature. 
That's not the deeply transformed life Christ has called us into. And Jesus would say this. He would say, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He would go on to say that by our fruit, you will be recognized. This is why we want people to see. This is why what leads us to, to really put on the show with what we do is because we want people to think that we got good roots on inside of us. And so we come regularly, we give regularly, we serve regularly, we read our Bible regularly, we let everybody else know we're reading our Bible, we put those things on Facebook or social media because we put it on the mass. But beneath the surface, it's bad roots, it's chaos, it's a mess. They don't go deep. Our fruit is the product of our roots. Being established deep into who Christ is, into being with Christ. And we need to confess something today. At least I need to confess something today. Something, um, I need to confess something as, a, as someone who's been a professional, I say professional, occupational ministry since 1999. I need to confess something. Something that the modern church needs to confess as a whole. That we need to confess that our modern version of discipleship and Christianity has some failures in it. We may have more information available to us to any, than any other generation, but we're a generation that doesn't, hasn't experienced the deep transformation that God wants for every one of us. We have more knowledge, but our knowledge does not reflect the depth of a transformation that God wants to see in us. And while there's several faults with our, our belief systems and, and, and really how we've made Christianity today, especially in America... One failure is that we emphasize doing for God over being with God. We emphasize this external veneer that we want others to see more than and what we do is we in, ignore the internal depth of what others don't see, and we, which is what we think and we feel. We ignore that. And this leaves us in a miserable place. Leads us, leaves us addicted to doing. It leaves us overcommitted. It leaves us in this perpetual state of hurry. See, I'm personally learning that hurry most always leads to hurting. And it's really a result of my spirituality. We don't stop to rest. We don't stop to recharge because we fear all the things that we won't be able to do if we stop. And this makes our relationship shallow because we have a shallow relationship with God. We don't have a healthy relationship with our other, ourselves. And if we don't have a healthy relationship with God, we can't have a healthy relationship with ourselves and you can't have a healthy relationship with others. See, emphasizing doing for God over being with God leaves us irritable, leaves us judgmental. And when irritable and judgmental, when this is the main label of the church, what do people see us as? hypocritical but we put a mask over all that and we call ourselves spiritual but we're not see discipleship is about a priority shift and this is what I want to invite you into this year I want you to shift your priority this is what the series is that we're talking about as a church as being unshakable it's a priority shift and here is what we want for you. And the first practice of becoming emotionally healthy is something that I hope that you embrace today. And here's a teaching big idea. I hope that you will prioritize being with God before doing for God. I hope that you'll prioritize being with God 
this year and from this moment on before you pray, before you start doing for God. That we be before do. It's a simple concept, but difficult in practice. See, it's less about balance and it's more about the priority. See, Jesus didn't actually have a balance in his life. He actually had a priority in his life that everything flowed out of that priority. And we, in our own spiritual life, we need to have the right priority in place. And out of this priority, everything else will flow out of this priority. See, it, we think balance as an equals. Be equally do needs to equal be, and there needs to be same weight in my doing for God and my being with. But it's not about that. Jesus saw balance as in a priority. It's about the gravitational force to bring us to the center of our life, and we need to make him the center of our life. See, Jesus sees balance as priorities. That being with God comes before doing for God. See, when being with God is, a, is prioritized before doing for God, then you experience spiritual wholeness. That's what we are all wanting and craving, is to be whole, have integrity inside and out. This is why Jesus would tell those who are emotionally wrecked, full of anxiety, worried about everything in this life. In Matthew 6, he says, why are you worried about all these things? And then what's he tell them in Matthew 6.33? Remember this? Seek first the kingdom of God. And all those other things you're worried about will be added to you as well. Seek first. This is about the priority in your life. It's about being with God before doing all those things. See, one of the failures we succumb to is that we prioritize doing for God ahead of being with God. And we need to recognize we failed in this. And for those of us that have failed in this, we need to repent of this and change our ways. And the way we change is we put the right priority in the place where it should be. See, when our priorities are disordered, our emotional health suffers and our relationships suffer. When our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not our priority, then the relationship I have with myself suffers. And you have a relationship with yourself. It's how you see yourself. It's how your self-worth and your self-value. But if it doesn't flow out of your relationship with God, you will never have the value that God wants you and created you to have. And it's out of that love that you have for yourself that you'll be able to fulfill what Jesus would say that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Too many of us are doing for God, but we haven't truly been with God, and we wonder why we're a mess on the inside. It's because our doing for God is directly connected. Your doing is directly connected to your being with God. It's what you've received from God that is the only source of what you can give and what you do. And we need to recognize we're human beings, not human doings. It's a simple thing, but very difficult. Now, Jesus would highlight this when he was with Mary and Martha at their house. And I want us to go here in um, Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles turned there. Here, th this is, happens right after Jesus gives the epic sermon that is world-renowned by this day and age. I mean, everyone in the world, I, I believe, has heard, or most of the whole world, every country has heard the sermon that Jesus gives about the Good Samaritan. 
Even people who don't know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus know the story of the Good Samaritan. And he, this happens right after this story of loving your neighbor that Jesus teaches. And in verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, just pause right here. How many had a New Year's party and you were distracted with all the preparations? Or maybe the holidays. I mean, I, I, I can get that way. So like Martha. She had a sister... And, and, and that was not distracted. And, and this is what happens. Martha comes to Jesus and asks the Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> this is not my words. This is exactly what happened in what, what she said there. And then Jesus looks at her and goes, Martha, Martha, you are worried you're busy. Your mind's busy. You're worried and upset about many things. And some of you need to underline this because this is so important. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary and Martha, two opposite personalities, two people who are opposite in their temperaments, the way God has wired them. And this is not about changing your personality or changing your temperament. This is not about that at all. This is about choosing the right priority. And this would be so transformational in your life if you can learn the lesson that Jesus teaches Martha. Because maybe you're like me. I'm so like Martha. I have so much to do, so little time to do it. I am, I, I'm so activity-driven. I'm, so, I'm built to, like, to do things. I like This is the way God has wired me. But if that becomes my God and my fulfillment in my satisfaction, and it comes before being with God, I will not become transformed. I cannot become transformed. See, it's something interesting that we need to recognize that Jesus didn't say what she was doing wasn't important. Jesus didn't recognize that at all. He, he just said Mary chose what is better, what was the better what? Priority, if we can put that in here. She chose the better priority. See, prioritizing doing for God over being with God will distract us from what is best. And in our American achieve do world, we cater to doing over being. And we need to prioritize being with God over doing. We need to prioritize it differently. See, just like Martha was distracted because her priorities were out of order, we can become distracted because our priorities are out of order. And we need to do what Jesus says of Mary. 
We need to choose the better thing first. And when we be, then we can get all to those doings. And you know what I've learned over time? Is that when I be with God first, all those things I do come in the right order and I get done what I need to get done. And it doesn't mean I'm less effective or less organized or less. It's just that I'm actually deeply transformed. And that impacts everything that I do. Few things are needed, Jesus says, but only one is indeed because there's one priority. And Mary chose the best priority. See, you have one priority. You need to have one priority in your life. And your one priority is being with Christ. This doesn't mean that doing is not important because being with precedes doing for. This is what that means. Being with God precedes doing for. This is why we must prioritize being with God before doing for God. Because that's where transformation happens. This is where God radically transforms you. Not from the outside in. Because that's what our modern version of discipleship has become. Transform your behavior and it'll transform your being. But God wants to transform your being. And out of transforming your being, it will change how you live. See, working for God without a communion with God will leave you shallow and dry. Being a disciple is about who you are in Christ, which, which then shapes what you do for Christ. And we've reversed it. We say who we are in Christ is what we do for Christ. No, 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 no. See, being a disciple is about who you are in Christ, and out of who you are in Christ, it shapes what you do for Christ because your doing comes out of your being, and we need to prioritize being with God We need to pry over doing. And we're trying to transform from the outside in instead of letting the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out. Jesus would teach this to his disciples. In John 15, he would say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you be with me, if you abide, that is make your home in, that idea there, remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, apart from Jesus... You cannot do anything. And how much of your New Year's resolutions are about doing things and transforming you out of doing something? Maybe we need to put a priority up there on our New Year's resolution that my priority this year is to be with Christ, to remain with him, because apart from him, I can do nothing. See, apart from Jesus, I cannot achieve self-worth. Apart from Jesus, I cannot, I cannot achieve enough to be feeling of, of, have this feeling of success. Apart from Jesus, I cannot control my anxiety. Apart from Jesus, I cannot have a healthy marriage. Apart from Jesus, I cannot be full and whole and, and have, be renewed. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. And we look to our value, worth, and wholeness in so many places before we look to it in Jesus. See, it's about our priority. It's where you turn to first. Do you look to, for value and worth first in achievement or a success, in a relationship, a career? Or do you look to find it within yourself even? Some people, we even turn to ourselves before we even turn to God. So many are searching for our identity. We're searching for our identity We're searching for it in our gender. We're searching for it in our sexuality. We're searching for it in our ethnicity. We're searching for it in our social or economic status. Only to find ourselves 
unfulfilled in the end of that search. Because apart from Christ, we are nothing and we can do nothing. See, only in Christ, only in remaining in him and being with God by remaining in Christ will we have the joy, fulfillment, and wholeness. Because apart from Christ, you are nothing. And you can do no thing. That's why I need him. This is why you need him. This is why I need to be like Mary. And I need to be before I do. And so I want to give you four ways today to help you be before you do. And the first is this. Make a radical decision today. Make a radical decision to be by eliminating something you do. Eliminate something. Make a stop doing list. You know, it's interesting that uh, often when people get so busy in life, you know, and I say this not because I'm a pastor, but I say this in observation, and I think people eliminate the thing they need most. You know, one of the first temptations that you're going to do when you make a stop doing list is going to be all around the kingdom of God. It's going to, I'm going to stop group. I'm going to stop doing this. But you're going to fill your life with everything else. We're going to add another thing to a commitment that our kids commit to. We're going to put this on top of that with their schedule. And and we're going to add more in other areas. And and what we do is we eliminate the church stuff. We eliminate the the things that that bring us toward the center, making Christ the center in our life and withdrawing ourselves from the community that really keeps us focused on that. And that's not at all what we should be doing. We need to be looking at all those exterior things that add no value, add no, that, that add no significance to our life, that distract us from being with God. Unfortunately, many make a stop doing list of things that they don't need to stop. <laughs> but make a stop doing list. What's that need to be? How do you need to eliminate some of the busyness in your life so you can be with Christ? If you're too busy to be with God in the morning, you need to change the way you do your mornings. Just make a stop doing list. See, there's one priority, being with Christ. What is something that you need to stop doing to be with Christ? And this is why we fast, by the way. In fact, I want to invite you into this fasting, that, that this, to, to join us in this 23 days of fasting. I encourage you to open our app or go to unshakable.faith forward slash 23 days. I want you to join us in a fast because in a fast, this is about giving up something that you depend upon to fulfill you or sustain you because you want to declare your dependence on God and you want to direct your life to be around him as the priority. That's what a fast is. So I invite you to give up something. Give up something. Maybe it's fasting an activity or maybe it's fasting uh, social media because it demands so much of your time. Maybe, is that the first thing you go to in the morning? Is you scroll through Instagram or you scroll, you open Snapchat or whatever, uh, Facebook, whatever it is, and that's the first thing you go to and you're not being with Christ and all of a sudden your day is distracted. I encourage you to do this and, and, and replace it with scripture, replace it with prayer. And begin to pray this prayer with us. Father, let your kingdom come in me and through me. I invite you into this. This is See, fasting is so powerful because you're telling God that I need you more. You're the priority of my life. These things are not the priority of my life. Make a stop doing list. Maybe uh, in this, tell God that you're more important to him than the food you eat. Give up a meal a week. Do something. I invite you to do this with us. That you're telling God, I am more fulfilled by you than I'm fulfilled by this. See, fasting directs our devotion to God. 
making him the priority. And it declares our dependence on God. So in this, I, I invite you to do this. Next, um, I encourage you to feel your feelings and take them to God in prayer. Feel your feelings. And then take them to God in care. God, did you know God cares about every detail of your life, that he wants to hear about those things? He cares about your sorrow. He cares about the reasons you're sad. He cares about the feeling that, that you don't understand what's going on and why you feel this way. He wants to hear about this. He wants to hear about the things that, that, that are painful in your life, those experiences, those conversations. He wants to hear all about this. He is in our chaos. He is a, after all, he is a wonderful counselor. This is the description of who your God is. And too often we'll turn first to a therapist or a secular per person to help guide our thoughts. And God, who is all wise and all knowing, is there. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't turn to professional help. In fact, I just want to let you know today that we have ready for you anyone who's needing professional counseling. We have an integrated approach that combines the science of what we've learned and the Bible of what is truth that transforms us. And we've got someone that is ready to serve you and provide this professional counseling to you if you need it. And so if you need counseling, I'm not saying just go to God first and then turn to someone like Dr. Grubbs who's going to be serving our church family until we can hire someone to full time. And if you need help, you can just contact us. Talk to one of our prayer team members at the end of the service. Talk to one of our staff and we'll get you in contact with Dr. Grubbs. But take, go to God first. He's a wonderful counselor. And, and ask God your questions. Say, God, why am I feeling anxious? Why am I in such a hurry today? Why am I so insecure? Why am I uncomfortable? Why am I angry? Why am I so irritable today? Ask God these things. He knows you better than you know you. But we ignore him. Be with him. He doesn't just want to listen to you. See, he's not a God that just listens to you. He's a God who wants to transform you. And he speaks to us. He speaks to you through your emotions and what you feel. However, just know this, it'll never be in conflict with Scripture. Next, practice silence. That's hard, isn't it? Practice silence to hear God speak to you and to fully surrender yourself to him. Most of our time with God is one-way conversation. We give him no space to get a word in. You know one thing I've learned is more my prayer time as I've become more aware of my relationship with God is really less me talking and more me listening. He already knows all our needs. But my desperate need is to be with him. And it's when I'm with him, I know his will. And when I know his will, I know how to pray. I know what needs prayer. And how to pray then. And this is powerful. Some of us never stop to listen to God. And you're never going to be with him if you're, all you're doing is the one talking. Listen. He's always speaking, but we're not always listening. And in silence, you need to be okay with silence because you know what silence does? It's in silence that we surrender our need to do. Think about this. I mean, what is our prayer? It's a to-do list for God, isn't it? But in silence, we surrender this need to do. We surrender the need to be in control. And we say, God, you're ultimately in control. You're the God in heaven <laughs> over all things. 
We surrender our need for approval. And we surrender our need for things. See, in silence, this is where we seek God. And then next, remain in Christ in all circumstances and at all times. You know, remaining in Christ is just this simple idea, being consciously aware that God is always with you. Regardless of what you face, this is powerful, by the way, recognizing that in that conversation that you're insecure and, and, and you just were shocked, God is with you. Remain in him. When you just get the bad news at work, God is with you. Remain in him. He's aware of all of these things. Before you even knew it was going to happen, he is there. Realize that everything you need is already in Christ. He is there and he is the supplier of all you need. Remain in Christ in all circumstances and at all times. This is what constant communion with God looks like. God, I need you right now. I feel so insecure in this moment. God, I need you right now. I I feel like I got to defend myself, but I don't need to. I'm going to remain. See, we need to do something today, I believe. We need to repent. And today, we need to repent of doing before being. We need to put the priority back into place. Being with God is our priority. We need to repent of putting on Martha's apron before pulling out Mary's mat. We need to repent of being busy and being too busy to be with God. And calling ourselves spiritual. We need to repent of putting on a mask and masquerading around like everything's okay when in reality it's not. And we need to be vulnerable and ask people to help us, to pray with us. Will you help me go to God in prayer? I need him more than I need anyone. We need to repent of trying to do more to be right with God instead of recognizing that everything we need to be right with God is found in Christ and in him I have everything I need for this life we need to repent see by being with Jesus I will be transformed by Jesus so I can then live for Jesus now I want you to think about which one of those four things are the most challenging to you? Which one of those four ways that were the most challenging for you? This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. And this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray with one another. And this is what I am going to ask you to do. If you're new with us, I challenge you to do this online. Our hosts are there. They'd love for you to share this. This is what I want you to do is I just want you to do this. I want you to share which one of these four ways challenged you the most today. You don't have to say why. Just look at the person close to you and say, it was this one right here. This challenged me the most. Share that. And this is what I want you to do with each other. I want you to pray with one another real quickly. And then we're going to sing together and end this service in worship. And and I don't want you to leave because I want us to make him the priority today. Okay? So turn to one one another right now. Share and then pray this. Father, help my friend prioritize being with you. Just do that today. Will you do that right now? Share that prior, share which one challenged you the most online. We want you to do this. Turn to the person next to you. Turn to go across the aisle. No one's left alone. West side, look around. If there's someone alone, not not with anybody, I want you to bring them in. Which one of these ways challenged you?